Galaxy Lights, Coachella, Lightning Bolt Necklaces. 2023 was the year of Scandaval. On March 3rd, one cheating scandal launched a reality TV investigation that generated hundreds of conspiracy theories, thousands of podcast episodes, and millions of dollars in revenue. I'm Jody Walker, host of An American Scandaval. One retrospective story told in three salacious parts. Listen December 26th on the Ringer Reality Feed. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. And present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together... We're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Welcome into The Local Angle. I am Jason Goff, and of course, this is FanDuel TV. Shout out to all our FanDuel TV people, and of course, you can catch us here on The Full Go every Sunday, every Tuesday, and every Thursday, unless there's an emergency pod for us to drop. Of course, we're presented to you by FanDuel. Ringer is the family, and of course, Spotify is the gang. And I have the pleasure to be joined by uh, Chicago and national radio giant, ladies and gentlemen. He's been in the business for a while, been doing it at a high level for a while he is not only a colleague uh he is a friend as well you can catch him from 10 to 2 p.m every single weekday here in the city of chicago on 670 the score he is none other than the lawrence holmes part of the bernstein and Holmes show what's up lawrence how you doing brother jay thank you for having me here on the local angle on the full go you know i'm a i'm a p1 listener to this podcast so anytime i can be a visitor 
I love it. And, you know, I'm a FanDuel guy, too, so it all works out. Shout out to FanDuel. You know, when the casual betting brothers get together and Lawrence Holmes gets together, then you never know how much money you might win. We might give you a little something at the end of this thing. Uh, we're supposed to be giving a local angle, right? But I'll talk to you in pod about the South Loop move for the Chicago White Sox, what's going on with the Bulls and some other things. But I want to get to what we learned about the Bears. And you might say, hey, Goff, the Bears haven't played football for a couple of weeks. Well, you can still learn something about your football team, especially when teams in the division are making the hay that the Detroit Lions and before they got ousted, the Green Bay Packers were making. Lawrence, I... I've been trying this season, especially and over this last couple of weeks to figure out where football not only is going, but also the entertainment value that is locked in intrinsically because of the, the, the gambling and betting aspect and the fantasy football aspect, but the homogenization of the game. And, and we've talked about it on these last couple of pods, how seemingly everybody's trying to do the same thing, but with varying pieces. And we got a chance on this evening that we're taping to see Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen go at it in Kansas City and Buffalo. And one team ran the football well, and another team didn't. One team was able to move people out of the way, and the other team had a quarterback who was running into people for most of the game. So I ask you this, before we even get into the Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, who's the next offensive coordinator thing, what do you think Bears fans and the Bears organization should and can take away from not only the successes of the teams that are in the division with them, but what championship football is is kind of playing out to be this season? I've been talking over the last couple of weeks, Jay, about the idea that taking the North and never giving it back <laughs> has never felt so far away right. because you're not doing this in a vacuum. Like this isn't just the the Bears worrying about the Bears. They have to worry about this while it looks like Detroit is exactly where they want to be and Green Bay is starting to move to where they want to be. So you've got you've to run even faster to try and catch up. It's, it's like you're running the last leg of a, of a relay and they've got a 50-meter lead on you already and you're trying to get there. So it, it becomes difficult. Man, I've been fighting the fight. I mean, at least I've been trying to on the radio show over the last – I would say, my God, like the last maybe three months of trying to explain to everyone that not, it's not all side, everything fits. Like you have to, you have to figure out what you have and then kind of work around it. it. When you look around the NFL, there's all sorts of different ways to win. I heard you and Alex talking about it on the pod about the idea of, there is still the element of can you block and can you tackle? And, it, and if you can still do those things, no matter what your scheme is on offense, you can have success. I keep, I'm fascinated by it. Like if, if I decide to go get a PhD, well, one of the things that I, I think I would even start to work on is the idea of quarterback development and how it's different from team to team, from organization to organization kind of what they value. I look at the coaches that that are moving on, whether they're retiring or being forced to retire, and I look at Pete Carroll and what he did for Geno Smith. Just by, I, I remember the interview, it was great. Geno Smith was talking about how Pete Carroll was the first coach as a pro that told him to stop bad-talking himself. 
that <laughs> Gino had been out here and been like, oh, you know, he misses a play in practice. You know, I'm trash. I'm this, I'm that. And Pete Carroll was the first coach to be like, why do you do that? And Gino kind of had to have this introspective moment of why do I do that? I'm not going to do that anymore. These are the things that I'm wondering about, like the nature versus nurture part of it. And when I look at just the two teams in the division, when I'm looking at the Bears, I'm seeing a guy who has improved mid-career, like he's had a renaissance similar, and I was talking about it on Twitter, similar to what Baker Mayfield has done this season and what Geno Smith is. I don't think either, I don't think golf, Baker, or Geno are great. Mm -hmm. I do think that all three of those guys are capable of winning you. And clearly with this, this playoffs, we've seen that at least two of those guys are capable of winning you playoff games. The question becomes, if you don't have great, if you don't have legendary at the quarterback position, what do you do to try to win or do you wait? And then you say, well, we think this guy is great without actually having proof that the guy is great. And then you have to kind of start the cycle all over again. The whole thing to me is really, really fascinating. But I'll tell you, I when I look at, at Jordan Love, and I remember it was uh, midway through the season, I was talking with Dave Wanstead about this, and it was a game that he had played poorly. It may have been the Raiders game that they played. And, and I said, you know, I, I get it now with Jordan Love. Sure, he played badly, but I saw some of the throws that he could make and I get why anyone who would see him would go, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a guy that you can you know, win some games with. And then he went on that stretch where I think it was like 24 touchdowns and one interception over the last right. nine games. And you start to go, oh, no, like the Packers may have again, they may have again found that guy. Yeah. And when you watch him play, especially after watching him this past weekend, you realize that he's got a little bit of Rodgers and a little bit of Favre in him, and that's both good and bad. But it's real bad for the Bears because even at this point, you could make the argument that depending on who the quarterback is in Minneapolis, that they're still the fourth best team in the division. There's a lot of room for them left to grow. You know, it's it's funny because I removed all doubt, removed all doubt in terms of Jordan Love in the game that they lost, right? Uh, the, the Cowboys game, that's just catching them and beating their ass on the, their worst day that they've had uh, in the season to me. What happened against the San Francisco 49ers, and, and we'll get into it uh, in, inside the pod a little bit more where we can stretch our legs, but to me what happened against the San Francisco 49ers, you can, you can talk about the Brett Favre Minnesota throw all you want, but to me that's Jordan Love doing something that I don't expect him to do again. Like sometimes you got to get that stuff out and all the, the, the shame and all the crying and all the, the, the mental gymnastics that, that will carry on this week about if Jordan love is the guy, guess what? <laughs> Kobe shot four air balls, man. Like Peyton Manning had a bunch of trips and, and got his ass waxed. Like, I'm not saying that this dude is Kobe or Peyton Manning, but what I will say is when it was time to put the ball where it was supposed to be with the youngest group on the field, that was that wide receiver room. I mean, he's throwing the dudes. They had a different leading wide receiver or a different receiver every month of the season. He was a starting quarterback for the entire year. So, you know, as we talk about Matt LaFleur and he's talking about Kyle Shanahan, I, I thought Aaron Jones was outstanding. I sit back and I, 
I, I look at this like, yo, this is another reincarnation of a great quarterback playing for a team that is supposed to be your chief rival in, in, in a division that you are talking about winning with all your cap clarity and with all your draft resources and the number one pick that you can dangle for anybody. They went to Utah State and got theirs, right? The, the Detroit Lions had to go to the Rams and say, hey, can we switch out because we, this guy don't want to be here anymore and we need something else. And Jared Goff by the way you want to talk about how number one picks can and should mature what if you aren't that dude and you just happen to be in a you know a down draft i feed you jared Goff's numbers from the beginning of his career when he started in 2017 with todd Gurley next to him and say would you take 28 touchdowns and seven interceptions and then the next year would you take 32 touchdowns and 12 interceptions and then you fast forward five years later and he's playing like He's playing like a guy who, if everything is perfect, he's going to be damn good for you. And yeah. what they and what they do for him, they put Frank Ragnow in front of him. They put Panay Sewell, who's one of the top fifteen players in the entire game, <laughs> to his right. They went out and drafted a dude in Jameer Gibbs, who had more twenty yard runs than anybody in the NFL this year. So I know people on Twitter get upset with me because they think, I, and you know me, I'm not some like old school like run the football three yards in a cloud of dust. What I am though is the what's next guy. When I get a question or an obstacle or any kind of um, variable thrown in my way that I have to get over or get through, I'm not about to sit here and ask you to take me back to step one. We already at step four or five. So if my football team is at step two, three, and four, and I'm looking at it like I can go back to step one, but if I don't, what's next? Well, what's next is building a fully functional football team. Kansas City Chiefs beat the Buffalo Bills because Isaiah Pacheco ran like a badass kid. You know what I mean? Like this is this. Yeah, and Josh Allen, you could talk to me about all the rushing numbers you want. Let me tell y'all something right now. That man had two plays to get nine yards, and all those hits that he took throughout that game. I don't care what y'all say. That changes a quarterback psyche. He went for it twice. In a span of a of a series of downs, well, you didn't have to. You didn't have to. You you you, you got you got hit because Deion Dawkins got bull ru- bull rushed by Chris Jones, and then the next play you go twenty five yards down the field for an incompletion. You can get mad at kickers all you want. But the what's next part matters to me. And what happened was James Cook was one of the best players on that team for the final month of the season. And all of a sudden, you couldn't move the football on the ground with him. So you started running it with your quarterback. Like, I think real coaches freeze up in certain moments as well. And whatever you feel about Sean McDermott, whether he's going to be back or not, all you had to show me was a dude who doesn't have control in the most important moments to look at his quarterback and say, hey, man, we're going to have to hand this thing off. If it takes nine yards and two plays for us to move on or go to overtime against the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's what you do, yeah, you can put it on the kicker all you want. That's why I say what I say. In the AFC, for the next five, six, seven years, Somebody out of Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, and Josh Allen, one of them ain't making the Pro Bowl. Does that mean that they ain't the guy? No. That means that somebody on their team made plays to help them. 
that, that, that everything wasn't on them. The Baltimore Ravens are the best team in football, seemingly. And I put Lamar Jackson stats up if we went shadow, you know, shadow profiles. And you'd be like, all right, give me that guy. Give me Josh Allen or give me Joe Burrow. No, no. Give me Lamar Jackson for the compliment that a number one quarterback can be at times. And I think that's some of the situations that we haven't had to, to digest here in this city because we've never had to thoroughly go through a quarterback development. Like, I'd be interested to see, Lawrence, how and what we learn from what just happened these last three years with Justin Fields. Well, th- that's the one good part is that if they decide to move on from him, then you have like a body of work that the Bears front office can then use to figure out if they're going to draft Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels or Drake May that, and say, okay, what do they take away from the experience of Justin Fields? And sure, they came in late to this process with him, but maybe it isn't. Maybe it's making sure that you match an offensive coordinator with what the quarterback is able to do. This is another part of like the thesis thing that if I if I go through with it, that I'm fascinated by. There's still enough coaches who were brought up by other coaches who don't think that a running quarterback is a good idea. (laughs) There's still enough of that influence in the league that there's, I mean, we hear it in the dialogue with fans all the time. We heard the ridiculous statement from someone earlier uh, two weeks ago, talking about how Lamar isn't uh, he, the, the, the tropes that are thrown out about, well, he's a good running back, but maybe right. not a quarterback. And you know what's wild? I, I'm sitting here watching reels while, you know, in commercial break. And I see Tom Brady talking with Lamar Jackson and him beaming about Lamar Jackson, seeing two guys whose games are pretty different, having an appreciation for the other guy's game and, and what it means. So I... I hope that what the Bears take from all of this is there's different ways to go about it. And and I don't know if that if this is the right call to stay with Eberflus. I'm I probably lean towards they should have fired him just because it would have given you more opportunities to talk to different people. And he's probably about replacement level or a little bit better than replacement level or a little bit worse, depending on your point of view. Right. But the cool thing about what's happening in the division is. With LaFleur, you have, here's the guy with the crazy offensive scheme that knows how to coach quarterbacks and can run the offense the way that he wants, blah, 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 blah. In Detroit, you have, here's the snarling ex-player guy right? that's out here. He's putting together an incredible staff, getting support, and winning the cult of personality. And and what it shows is, is I get really angry when people talk in absolutes about well, your head coach has to be an offensive guru. Okay, I, I, I think that you're probably mostly right about that. But explain Dan Campbell then. Explain D'Amico Ryans to me. And to me, it's more about can you lead? We, we, we continue to not think of the head coaching job as a different skill set than being a coordinator. Right. It's a completely different right. job. Right. Than being a play caller. It's, CFO it's, and CEO are two different gigs. <laughs> yes. Yes. And and part of I mean, one of the knocks I think against Matt Eberflus is is you look at the people that he hired and you go, that's not really head coaching. Like you hired a bad staff. 
whether we're talking about guys that were pushed out because they were out here doing crazy stuff inside the building or the fact that you're that I'm convinced Jay that Matt Eberflus likes Justin Fields. I'm convinced of that. And I think that the way that it went down with Luke Getze, I think that's further evidence that the head coach is probably like, Hey man, as a defensive guy, I can see how that guy could really, really hurt me. Mm-hmm. If I was on the other side, why haven't you figured out a way to make that more consistent? And then there would be these, these two or three week spasms of, Oh, now we're going to move him out of the pocket. Now we're going to use more play action. And then it would go away. And then you see like, wait a minute, they're going empty again. Like that yeah. seems like a mistake. So I just, I hope that they take with them the idea that you can, you can build a team in a lot of different ways. And now I'm hoping that Ryan Poles knows what he's doing because if he doesn't and they, they messed up an opportunity to maybe talk to some of these other candidates, it's going to be rough to, to watch. You know, if you didn't even talk to Jim Harbaugh, don't talk to me about internal conversations. If you didn't talk to that, to that man and you couldn't talk to him because you were keeping Matt Eberflus, that seems like a bit of a failure to me. We're going to keep this conversation going inside the pod. Remember, we do this every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday right here on The Full Go. We'll be back with more of The Full Go with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hey, if you've been watching the NFL playoffs from the sidelines, it's still time to get in the game with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers bet this Sunday's conference championship games with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. FanDuel has so many ways for you to pick up a W, and the casual betting brothers will help you out right now. I feel the best time to make up your mind for any of these big games in the NFL is immediately after the last game has been finished and finalized and there's triple zeros on the clock. Ladies and gentlemen, I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to the Super Bowl over those Kansas City Chiefs. It's in Baltimore. They are minus three and a half. Get in on that number now. I like it. I like the over 44 and a half. And I like Lamar Jackson over for rushing yards. You saw what he did against that Houston Texans defense and D'Amico Ryans who put that spy out there really need to know the health status of gay willie gay the linebacker for the kansas city chiefs who was set to spy josh allen for most of the game but had to leave early want to know what his health status is and even if he's a little banged up i like the fact that lamar jackson is going to be able to extend plays with his legs so i got a same game parlay for the afc championship game and it's all ravens ladies and gentlemen ravens minus three and a half i got the over 44 and a half and i got the over for lamar jackson rushing yards 
So if you want to follow my picks, go to FanDuel right now. Get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash gold to join today. That's FanDuel.com slash F-U-L-L-G-O. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. I, I tell you, I can't help but get back to golf. I feel like everybody's in this kind of like press play mode when it comes to the Bears. Like, the Caleb Williams thing is going to be a, without a doubt slam dunk home run in, in many people's minds. And I am not here for confirmation bias. I am not here to, to wish, you know, ill on the young man at all. But we know how these things go. Since Andrew Luck, if I'm not mistaken, top three quarterbacks, you know, you take a look at them. And there's been some it's been some questionable things that have happened at the tops of drafts. Um your, because I don't, you know, the people here in the city of Chicago have gotten your your outlook on Caleb Williams, but from what you've seen, from what you've heard, and also the people just not letting the stuff do the talking. Like, that's the point that I'm upset about now, where it's like, you know what? If the man is the man, it's going to happen. You know, it's just like the the whole John Elway, Dan Marino, Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't need any of those. I don't need any of those comparisons at all. And all these highlight films that have been thrown and spliced together, that's cool. Yeah. I love it as much as the next guy does. But in the end, you know, we've seen the best. We've seen the best falter. You know, Bryce Young was supposed to be Drew Brees. Remember, remember what everybody was saying about Bryce Young coming out? Hey, listen, he's small, y'all. So let's just call him Drew Brees and let's get away with it real quick. Or Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence is a great you know, example. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Like, you know, you're doing the Trevor Lawrence thing. Oh, this is touchdown Jesus. This is going to happen. Don't worry about it. This is as ready-made a prospect as possible. He got ruined his first year by uh, an incompetent coach. And then the, a couple years after that, he gets a whole bunch of pieces put around him. He throws four picks in a playoff game in the first half. So n- this is not an exact science at all, which Correct. is why I'm always about building up the squad so that when you drop that person in there, you can you can you know, actually evaluate it with a truer sample than just having a dude out there throwing the ball 45 times a game. I'm with you a hundred percent. I looking at, I watched a lot of Caleb Williams and I don't mean highlights. Like I watched games this year because I knew that this would probably end up being a thing. And yeah, there's a lot of magical plays that he makes the Oscar stuff is incredible. Really, mm-hmm. I, I really like how quickly the ball comes out of his hands. I like that he has got some some very natural escapability, but he has some of the same flaws that the Bears' current quarterback has. I'm not convinced. I'm not saying that I couldn't be, but I'm not convinced that he's great in the pocket against actual defenses whether we're talking about the the game against utah or the game against oregon which is a game that people kind of like don't even talk about where he was fine but he wasn't generational uh which is a term that's been thrown around a lot 
there and, and obviously like the Notre Dame game, like those games are rough. And and I get it. Like these are three bad games inside of a season where he didn't have any help on defense and didn't have as much help on offense as you would like. I also am looking forward to him being measured because I saw video of him standing next to next to Cliff Kingsbury yesterday and I was like, oh yeah. Good. Okay. All right. So let's just see. Let's see what happens when he he gets weighed and measured when he gets to the combine. Because I know that that's a concern of people's closer to six and a quarter to, than six. Two. That's I mean, I, he's kind of gotten shorter as his career has gone on, which I think is it. Look, man, I I I played on a team where they lie, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I played on lied about who? Lied about who? Well, <laughs> who they lie about? Know, like all of a sudden, I'm six feet tall. And I'm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I got my man L out here. Like, oh, that's that's the new Vince Evans right yeah. there. Six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah. Got a rifle for an arm. It's, 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 Outstanding catcher on the baseball squad. Yeah, you know? and then you're like <laughs> they made they made Lawrence a first round pick, right? In two different sports. Oh my god, <laughs> it's, it's so it's so bad. Like what? Oh my god, it's a, it's amazing. But yeah, so I want to know all that stuff. But I. I actually like Jaden Daniels more than Caleb Williams, and I know that that's sacrilege, but I, tell me why. The reason why is the amount of starts, and mm. I think that we're it's it's something that a, a talent evaluator was talking to me about, and the more I thought about it, the more it made sense to me. Of like, well, you're talking about with Jordan Love, that situation playing out, and now you have that core memory as a quarterback of I was in a situation like this where the game was in my hands and I had two timeouts and it was first down and I was still running one way and throwing another. But I look at the, what, 50 some arts, I think 55 starts that Jaden Daniels has made because of that extra year of COVID. And, and I go, I saw a player get better. Now I got to tell you, you know, I spent a lot of time in AZ I talked mm-hmm. to a lot of people when he was a freshman because when he came into Arizona State, everyone was like, this is the dude, Big this deal. is the dude, this is the dude. And I was looking at him like, man, he's going to get broken in half because I think at the time he was like 175 pounds and he's six foot five. Like, that's not usually how it plays out. As he's gotten better and gotten some different experiences, I also think that that's valuable too. Um, playing in a different system. I think the sky's the limit for him. I am still concerned about like his frame and whether he could take an NFL beating, but I find those starts to be really, really valuable. With, with Caleb, I think that if I'm comparing the two players, what I would say is Caleb's ceiling to me is higher, um, and I would probably, I would probably tell you that Caleb's floor is higher too. But that experience means something to me. It might not mean much to anyone else, but it's part of the reason that I I I like Daniel slightly more than I like Caleb Williams. All right, speaking of experience, you know, quarterback starting immediately has been the soup du jour for a while now. And I remember back in the day and I hate saying shit like that, but I remember Steve McNair being drafted and having to sit behind Chris Chandler. I believe it was Chris Chandler. Yeah, it was Chris Chandler. 
for for the, at that time the Houston Oilers, and then it became the Tennessee Titans. And all the talk was, well, he's from Alcorn State. He he hasn't seen NFL defenses and this, that, and the other. And he sat. And then when he got his chance, he turned into Steve McNair. Like we forget, you know, and, and obviously posthumously, you know, how he passed away was tragic and all the things surrounding circumstances. But Steve McNair was a co-MVP of the league at one point, you know, and even after his Titans career, Steve McNair was a damn good Raven. Uh, so what say you on quarterbacks? And I know it's case by case, uh, but what cases would you think, okay, this is this is a guy who needs to play from day one so you can get some of these things out of him. And also who you don't want to build bad habits in. Like, do you go Shane Steichen? Do you do you go uh Matt LaFleur? Like how do how do you base it? And 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 what do any of the three or four quarterbacks, and I say four because Bears fans are gonna find their way to JJ McCarthy at some point during this draft process. Uh, but wh- what do you say uh, about the cases and who and why guys should start early as opposed to taking a seat for a little bit? I I'm actually I've been trying, Jay, to not think about this from a front office perspective because i think that a lot of front offices now feel pressure because of the quarterback clock uh to play guys immediately (laughs) and i'm not sure that that benefits anybody especially if you think the player needs to adapt to nfl lifestyle nfl diet nfl schedule whatever you think that that player needs to do a coaching staff that is getting ready to be fired Correct. anyway. Correct. <laughs> Shout out to Matt Nagy and Andy Dalton. Correct. I, 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 <laughs> I stand by this, this feeling that either Justin Fields should have been the one or the three when he was drafted. They, they kind of played it in the middle, and I think that it ended up hurting his development. I don't think that there's a right way to do it, but I'm starting to lean more towards if you have a competent – NFL starter that's sitting in place, then maybe the best thing is for the quarterback to sit and compete for the job and competing, whether we're talking about training camp or in the film room or in practice, maybe that's the right way to go. And there are are stories like that in, in the NFL too. Patrick Mahomes is one of those stories where He sat behind a really good, really smart quarterback with an excellent offensive staff, and he learned. And then when he got that, when when they sat Alex Smith down for that one game, and Patrick Mahomes went out there, and everyone was like, oh, oh. This is it. Oh, they got a real guy here. Okay. Same thing with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. You know, it was like, Alex Smith is the, we've said it on this pod. Alex Smith is the only man that I have given only white man that I've given full carte blanche to be racist. Um, he, he brothers have been tracking him down and taking his job for, for his entire career. I'm expecting it to happen on television. You know, God rest the dead and Dwayne Haskins. He did it. You're right. Dwayne Haskins took his gig in Washington. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's so, right. 
Yeah, Colin Kaepernick, Dwayne Haskins, and uh, and Patrick Mahomes. Like you talk about a white guy that 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 doesn't have to explain to me why he don't mess with the brothers. It's Alex Smith. And yeah, he, and, he, and I'm not saying that Alex is that yeah, guy. Yeah, by the way, I'm not yeah, saying he that doesn't seem that way at all, which is great. No, he seems like he's firmly down That's with right. the brothers. I mean, I I would be down with the dudes who kept taking my job too. Shit, you gonna need to borrow something at some point. Do you re- you need to hold something? Jay, do you remember when Kaepernick made his first start? Because it was against the Bears on Monday Night Football. Was it? Yeah, I was. I was uh, doing the show with Doug, and Doug was like, "Oh shit!" Doug was like, "Little buddy, you know anything about this guy?" And I said, "Well, you know, he played in this kind of interesting offense." Pistol. Yeah, and yeah. And, and we were talking with was that Chris Alts, I believe, who was the coach. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. he played in this kind of interesting offense. Like he was drafted by the Cubs, so he's got like this big arm. He's a he's a giant guy to play quarterback. And then he did like all the stuff against the Bears. Yeah. And Doug was like, yeah. Doug was like, wait, like who is this guy? He was like, <laughs> and where can we get one? Like, well, where where is a guy like that that we could have on our team? So I little did you know, you could have said to Doug, this will be the man who ruins the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> this will be right? the man who brings the game to its knees Literally. just by him taking one. That's right. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win! Fade to black! Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. <laughs> so so I, I remember that, and, and then, like, the reaction the next day. So I, I don't know. Like, you look at Jordan Love, and you go, what did he learn sitting there? Or would this have happened two years ago if you put him out there? What did Jalen Hurts learn by having to kind of take a job? away and then there are the guys that that you go man wouldn't it have been nice for trevor lawrence to just sit there and let that foolishness play out before he ended up taking over because i i'm still a believer in trevor lawrence like i feel I, I feel as strongly about him as i do about justin fields and and you just wonder like what are the things that derail these guys and how how do you keep as an organization how do you keep from making bad decisions and i don't know if there's a consensus answer on it and it's what fascinates me about how to do this job i don't think that it made any sense for bryce young to play this year because you literally had nothing around him and sometimes that stuff brings about bad habits Mm -hmm. and and sometimes they end up being things that don't get corrected so I'm I'm probably I was a guy that was like play guys right away, give them that experience, and now I'm starting to lean the other way of depending on the situation, I would prefer that that player not play immediately. But it also goes back to I'm a big big I'm big into um, what your quarterback room looks like because like look at the Bears quarterback room, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, bunch of kids. It, it's 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 a failed starter. It's a D two guy and a guy who's trying to figure it out. Like that. That's a room that could benefit from Chase Daniel 
being in right. that room. You know what I mean? Right. Like you could you right. could have Bajit still, but you need someone. Uh, it, it was explained to me like this from an NFL person. While the game's going on, you need a quarterback that can tell you what's happening. Like when Justin goes to the sideline, who is he talking to? He's talking to Tyson Bajit. Right. Tyson doesn't know what's going on. It's not a diss to Tyson Bajit. He's a rookie. No, his head is swimming too. Right. Yeah. So who's he yeah. supposed to talk to? Like the, the first time play caller. Right. <laughs> and, and that guy's not talking to him. And and Justin right. made that point too, because he, he he said that there were times where he'd go over and Luke was thinking about like the next set of down. And I totally understand that, even though I think Luke did a bad job. I get the idea of okay, I gotta set the whole offense up for the next set of downs. You sometimes need a peer to go, hey, man, this is what they're doing. Someone who's seen stuff in the league. So I want quarterback, like, like for the... For, it's like I needed you. <laughs> I mean, I guess, but... Right, no, like, I know I guess. I was like, hey, L, uh, I'm not speaking these people's language, so <laughs> let me know what it is that I'm not doing right. Ladies, like, well, Jason. I'm going <laughs> to code switch you so you can get into that room and get out of that room. That sort of thing. Like, you just... You, you sometimes just need someone who has just gone through it. And yeah. I... If they bring Caleb Williams in here and it's still Tyson Bajan and Nathan Peterman, that's still a bad quarterback room. Make sure 100%. that you get someone in there that can help Caleb out if you're going to move on and make him the guy from day one. Well, Tyrod, come on down. You you have done the black quarterback hey. circuit in New York. You've done it. Where else Tyrod been? He, he's been uh where where at Cleveland? He did it in Buffalo. Let's Tyrod, come on and, down, and, baby. And remember, we got somebody who's gonna puncture your yeah, lung for in you. San Diego. <laughs> you know, where where they punctured his lung for him, and then here's Justin Herbert all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when a when a when a medical procedure goes the wrong way with Tyrod Taylor, know that you've got a great quarterback coming out of it. Okay, that's how you. That's how the football guys will bless you. Um, last thing on Caleb Williams before we switch to uh, the teams that uh, Jerry Reinsdorf owns. Um, what are your thoughts on some of the stuff that swirled around him, both uh, falsely? In terms of, you know, they're not wanting to play for Bears. And also some of these things that have been said about, you know, the, the people around him and wanting ownership stake in teams and, you know, filing for the draft decision so late and all the stuff that's, you know, the, the draft stuff that we're getting ready to learn about the number one pick in the draft. Well, you know me, it's all about lying season and we are mm -hmm. we're getting close to lying season. I will tell you that I talked to a pro personnel guy and a college guy, not related, didn't work for the same organization. One worked for a school, one works inside the league. And they both told me similar stories about Caleb Williams. Each of them said, he's not a bad guy. Like they wanted to make it very clear. He's not a bad guy. There's, there's like, you know, the draft day stuff, you know, the, the, like the, the people went to his birthday party, like all of that stuff. But the, the two names that came up, one of them, I was like, okay, like I get that. Cause we are dealing with like a different age range of quarterback was Kyler Murray, that there's a little bit of Kyler Murray. 
And I was like, okay, okay. So maybe there are some distractions. It's a young man with a lot of money. I get that. The other name scared me a little bit. It was Josh Rosen. My guy. Oh, my guy. I was the only person that thought Josh Rosen was good even after the NFL declared he was bad. I'm with you on that. I remember watching <laughs> hey, Josh Rosen hey, his freshman Steve year. Wilkes and Josh Rosen until I die, yeah. okay? They, they didn't give neither one of my guys a chance in Arizona, and they messed around and, and, and sandbagged both of them. Josh Rosen was too smart for football, that, guys. That's, that's kind of what, what people were alluding to. In, in in Caleb Williams, the the pro guy said to me that he didn't understand that after the Notre Dame game that Caleb oh. didn't get back on track. Like that's what what he learned. Like he's like, look, we all knew coming into this year that he was going to be the number one pick in twenty twenty four. But he said he doesn't like that that happened that the, the Notre Dame game happened, he never seemed right. I would also tell people, like, like I've said before, Oregon game, the Utah game, obviously Notre Dame, watch the third quarter of the Colorado game too. That game, he let them in back into the game because of boredom. Like he was just like, yeah, you know what? These guys aren't any good. Slinging it. And then, then mm-hmm. you look up and Colorado was a, a score away. Now they put they closed the door, and I give Caleb credit for that. But there were some moments where you're like, "What? Why'd you do that? Like, why'd you just lazily throw the ball out into the flat against against you know the maybe the best two way player that we've seen since Miles Jack? You know, like mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. out here doing crazy stuff. So that's that's what I'm I'm hearing. Um, I know people who have flipped out like over the tape. Like people that are more qualified than I am to talk about it, the daily, you know, you got to understand like these types of throws. I don't like when people mention Patrick Mahomes, name. I, I just think it's unfair. Like I, it, it yeah. puts like yeah, that's an alien. Yes. <laughs> now we're, we might, we're, we're probably never talking about never. the greatest quarterback of all time. Like that six straight championship right. games now, right? Six. <laughs> and, and from an athletic standpoint, like that combination that he has is rare. Like we're, we're talking about guys like Rogers and Elway. You know what I mean? When we're talking about the type yeah. of physical ability, the ones, right. <laughs> the ones that, that Patrick Mahomes <laughs> has. So I'm like, just be, don't do that to that kid. Right, just be careful. Like, just, just be careful. So I'm I'm less concerned with like oh he wants ownership or that sort of thing, or or oh he he painted his fingernails or he laughed at the guy that Are people was, mad about that yeah or he he laughed uh, at the guy yeah. that was crying even though or he got laughed at because he was crying because he laughed at the TCU quarterback when a TCU quarterback was crying I'm less worried about those things than I am like yeah. the actual football stuff. Yeah. No, nah, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. But, you know, I, I worry that uh, this franchise will find a way to unfind him. You know, there's nothing 
It's nothing, nothing like walking in and, and, and looking around and going, uh-oh, <laughs> one of me has never been here before. And there's something to be said for yeah. that. There's something to be said for that. I don't care how you feel about Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. When Jordan Love walks into a room or walks into an organization and he knows that everybody from the cook to the janitor and the security guard to uh, the equipment guy knows how. It, one of those guys should look, should feel, should play, should respond. You get, you'd be surprised the people you get some some nuggets from, yep. some jewels from. It's that security guard who's on the bus with you, like, yo, I've seen this before. Don't you worry about it, kid. None of that's going to happen with Caleb Williams when he walks into Hallis Hall. There's going to be a whole bunch of mouth-hugging until his first interception, and the next thing you know, we're going to see these referendums on every single throw like we've seen the last two or three times we thought we had that guy in this city. Yeah. So there's something to be said for that, right? There's something to be said for people who could walk you through a relationship that you've never been in before, okay? Like, you know, people, people shit on divorcees all the time. And it's like, no, those are the people you should have conversations with. You know, don't, you know, don't show me the person who's been married for 65 years. God bless them. They figured it out. Show me the person who was like, this is where it went wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Hey, and I promise you, I'm going to learn from that sauce as much as I'm going to learn from the sauce of, well, you know, I just shut my ass up and just, I'm where she tell me to be and she put my well, socks out for me and she give me her like, right? well, you know uh, happy wife happy life uh you know that's that's what yeah. i say yeah happy us happy us Facts. let's let's change that narrative for 2024 huh I agree. the world going to hell anyway we might as well you know send relationships to heaven happy that's us right. happy us yeah and i'm gonna say that a little little quieter as soon as i stop recording this segment yeah all right so we'll take that and then move on to a different relationship of sorts uh the city of Chicago's relationship with Jerry Reinsdorf coming up next here on the full go. This episode is brought to you by anytime fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why anytime fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus you can track your training, nutrition and recovery progress with the anytime fitness app. Just like the pros with 24 seven access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide. Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. The Full Goal with Jason Goff. Jerry Reinsdorf, he presides over uh, a certain swath of fandom that are the Bulls and Sox fan who are in the cut, right? Everybody's a Bears fan in this city. All right, some people are Sox fans, some people are Bulls fans. The Bulls and Sox fan are in the cut right now trying to figure out when the, the light is going to show itself. I want to have a conversation first about this South Loop um, site for the, the new proposed White Sox stadium. One, you know, let's throw a roof on that thing and, and become modernized out here. That'd be super dope. Um, but what do you think of all this? The, the conversation at the end of the season was the Nashville stuff all over again. Some of the St. Petersburg stuff jumped up again, even though you got a team out there in Tampa already. Uh, what do you think about the way the Sox have positioned themselves from a public relations standpoint? And do you think that something like a move to a a different part of the city? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, man, White Sox baseball feels special because of some of the shit 
that you, you have to drive through and see. Yes. And because of some of the bars and, and places that you have to walk past and because of some of the people you have to interact with coming off of that 35th Street stop, uh, uh, you know, getting getting into uh, guaranteed rate field. So what do you think of all this, man? I think that the White Sox have been trying desperately to get good press for the entire, I would say probably since like June because the team has been so bad and they, they keep falling on their face. The end of the season was a disaster. The Jason Benetti stuff was, was the last straw for me uh, when it comes to fandom with that team. This has been the most good that they've seen in a long time, the people's reaction to it has been very strong. Um, I told the story on the air, like when I was in college playing at DePaul, DePaul's campus doesn't have room for a baseball diamond. So we used to play at UIC and UIC used to have a field right on Roosevelt and Halsted. And it looked directly North Northeast to the skyline. They used to play a league there called the skyscraper league like adult baseball, like pro baseball. And it's beautiful. If the, if the White Sox can get that view and that's what they be getting with this, this thing that's right outside the ping Tom park there between Roosevelt and 18th street, I think that they should do it as a resident of Chicago. I don't want to pay for it. And, and I, I think that that's a, I think the the new mayor of Chicago is playing some very dangerous games with what his platform was and seemingly what he's willing to do for the sports teams. And he's a big sports fan, so I get it. But I think the governor said it right. Like, no public money for private enterprise. I'll just leave that yeah. there. Um, you want to subsidize a billionaire's you know, right. playpen. Especially one that has been real fast and loose with the idea of all oh, leave. And this was the first time in a long time where like, if, if you go back to 88, you know, White Sox fans didn't want the White Sox to leave, but now in, in 2023 going into 2024, a lot of White Sox fans have been like, go like, I dare you. I dare you to move to, to Nashville or Charlotte, go right ahead and, and see what happens to you down there. You're right about the specialness of Bridgeport. And luckily, like to me, this feels a lot better than if the team were to go to Schaumburg, where there's a big like right. swath of White Sox fans, or even like Naperville. This feels better. What I don't like about it, and this is like the provincial part of my personality as a Southsider, is oh, well, it's gonna be so easy to get to. Well, the green line and the red line are right there. I was like, you know where else they're at? Right at 35th Street. Both right. of them. And there's a metro stop right there. I get so mad with people complaining about how difficult it is to get to that ballpark. And I'm not talking. It's rather about, easy. Yeah, it's really easy. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the folks that are coming from the, the North Shore or the Western suburbs. Like, I get. Like, that's a pain in the ass. I get that. But for anyone who lives in the city, it. It's the same stuff that you're dealing with if you're going to a Cubs game, if you're taking the red line. It's it's pretty easy to get there. As a, I, and the other thing is, there's nothing wrong with their ballpark. Their ballpark is great. It's one of the best things about the franchise, to be honest. 
Like everything about it, like the food, the people, uh, the people watching, the tailgate ability. But I'm I'm for this. If they're gonna find a way to fund it, and the people of Chicago and the people of the county of Cook are not like on the hook for this thing. I think that it would be great. I think that it would reinvigorate the franchise in a way that seemed impossible two weeks ago. You know, like like even two weeks ago before we started to hear about this, White Sox fans are furious. And and now like that fury is starting to turn into apathy. And and I don't I don't think the White Sox want that. So we'll see where it goes, but it's it's the first bit of like positive news about the White Sox that, that we've had in a long time. And I'm a big proponent of that area. If, if people who listen to the Full Go podcast, or if you're in the city, or if you're thinking about traveling to Chicago, King Tom Park. It's amazing. It's an amazing place. Like, if you, yeah. you want to get an idea of what a day at the ballpark could be like, when the weather gets a little bit nicer, just go over there and walk around and you'll see like how this city is this beautiful city of big buildings and bridges and the river and the neighborhoods, like all of that stuff. Um, I do have some concerns about like what happens with the whole ballpark and whether or not they'll have enough room to kind of do it right. I also think that it would be interesting if the, the White Sox looked at it as an opportunity to maybe not build a behemoth, but maybe build like a more nimble stadium that's maybe, you know, 25 to 30,000 people instead of 40,000 people, just to kind of give it a more intimate feel considering the uh, the lack of, of season ticket holders that you have. Mm-hmm. But I, mm-hmm. I, I'm probably just dreaming when it comes to that, Jay. Nah, you, you're, you're spot on, man. In that area, you know, lived in that area for a while when I came back home uh, from Atlanta. Um, shit, my son was born in that area. Um, that area is, is really, really cool. Really, really cool. You got, <clears throat> you know, you got Cermak right there so you can get all the delicious <clears throat> Cantonesian or Chinese food that you could possibly think of. Um, the, the, the area is uh, spot on. Right. And then you got your shopping right down the way. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're a couple of minutes from Michigan Avenue. It's a it's a, it's a terrific area. It's a terrific area. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how this thing manifests itself as as we uh, finish up here, man. I, I truly appreciate you joining me as always, brother. Um, Jerry Reinsdorf. I had my first interaction with him. I heard. Uh, uh, on uh, oh my. <laughs> yeah i had my first interaction with him uh on the uh the ring of honor night the gala the night before before the uh ring of honor night actually was friday uh you know we all we all got a an end date right some some sooner than others some later than others hopefully everybody lives forever but we know that ain't true when it's all said and done if things don't change demonstrably in terms of the perception of Jerry Reinsdorf, whatever it is, what do you think his legacy will be? It's weird because the legacy works on two different planes. You, mm-hmm. you have Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the bulls who has run the most successful franchise in, in the city's last 100 years. Like, I don't want to, 
you know, the, the Cubs back in the, the 19 aughts, right. you know, we're, right. we're right. doing work, but in, in, right. and so were the White Sox, honestly, but in, in the last hundred years, there hasn't been a franchise more successful or a run that's been better than what Jerry Reinsdorf did with the Bulls. That, that should be celebrated, you know, that, that, that they were able to do what they did. On the flip side of it, for all the talk that you and I have heard for as long as we've both been in this industry is, you know, Jerry's very happy with the six championships of the Bulls, but but the one championship with the White Sox means more to him because of his history growing up in Brooklyn and being a Dodgers fan and having his heart broken and all that stuff. He doesn't treat the White Sox like that. He doesn't treat the White Sox like what they do matters to him. He runs it more like a business than like a fan. And the times when he has stepped in as a fan owner, he's made terrible mistakes that have pushed the, the franchise backwards. And they're in that space right now where these mistakes over the last four years for the White Sox really ruined what was, I think, a paradigm shift. I think that if we go back to 2019, that thing that the White Sox have been dying for and begging for, people may be switching sides. It was right there in front of them. And yeah. they ruined it. Meanwhile, the Death Star got rebuilt. <laughs> right. You, you were out here waiting, like, here was your chance. And then the folks at Addison and Clark were like, oh, yeah, we're the Cubs. We should... We want to pay $177 million for a shortstop. We can totally do that. We can, we can fire our manager to bring in like a real manager. Who's great right now, not great 15 years ago. And they missed it. They had it. It, 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 it still makes me both angry, but more sad because all those things that people who are fans of the White Sox have been saying about, Man, it's on the way. It's on the way. Like, look at the yeah, look man. at these these good looking, smart, fun, athletic players that the White Sox have. This representative team that they have on the south side of Chicago with their their three hundred hitting shortstop who lives here in the off season, and it all just kind of crumbled. And there's no good answers for why it crumbled other than mismanagement, which seems to be followed up by what I think is going to be more mismanagement. I don't know how you can look at Chris Getz and say he's the right guy to fix it when he played a huge role in what was broken. Like that, that blows my mind. And, and it, yeah. it does feel like some snake shit. It does feel like he was whispering in the owner's ear. These two guys don't know. They won't tell you the truth, but I'll tell you the truth of what's going on. And there's something that I don't like, even as someone who's a fan of the team, there's something that I don't like about that either. You know, that, that he is, he's so like, as an owner, he's so dependent on people to, to kind of squire him through this. And I don't know that he can trust those people. You know, that, 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 and the people that have bucked back, they're gone. 
Like, right. you, you know that, like, as this thing went haywire, that my relationship with Rick Hahn also went haywire. And I, I'm looking forward to, at some point, me and him maybe mending fences on this. But I do know that he was one of the people telling Jerry, no, like, let's not do this thing with Tony LaRussa. That doesn't make any sense to do. I know that Kenny was one of those people saying, like, we're moving in the other direction. Like, let's let's keep that let's momentum. Let's keep that good going. momentum. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And, it, yeah. and it was ignored. So if you're ignoring your top people, like your top baseball people, cool. It's time to move on from other people. I get it. We all have a shelf life in our career. I I, I get that. But to move on to someone where you say, well, what's one of the biggest problems the White Sox have? Well, it's scouting and development. Guess who was in charge of that? The guy that you promoted to be in charge of all of it. Like, it, it's stuff like that that I can't, I really grasp to understand. And when you look at how Jerry seemed to sell gets to the public, he sold them in the way that was, oh, well, he knows everything so he can hit the ground running. And I'm sure Getz told him that until he got the job. And then he got the job and was like, yo, this is going to take a long time for us to dig out of, especially if you're not going to spend money. And they notoriously don't spend money. So I don't know how, at this point, a White Sox fan is supposed to have faith that the, the, the thing that happens on the field is important. And if it's not important to them, then why should it be important to you? As I've kind of gone on this, like I'm, I'm calling my baseball walkabout, Jay, where I'm like, I need to start looking for a new team. And and <laughs> fans, of the people have gotten mad at me and they are like, well, you know, we don't want you to come back. And I'm like, okay, I mean, that's cool. I get that. But my whole thing is, why are you staying with this? Right. And, right. and the only answer that people have is because I always it's all I know. have. Right. Yeah, it's all I know. Right. Yeah. Stay in a bad relationship because it's all I know. <laughs> no, sir. That's that's all. Nah, this is all no, I have. You. And 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 my my retort to them is, I feel you on that, and I've probably been in that same space for the last couple of years, knowing how bad it was, knowing how rotten it was from the inside. Stuff that I can't even say on the air or on this pod, and it just gets to the point where you're like. Man, this really stinks because they had it. They had it and they just dropped it. And they have no idea how to recapture it. And you've got, I think now, two hostages in Dylan Cease and Luis Robert Jr. Man. They're going to have to play here for a little bit until they get rescued and sent somewhere else. And it all seems so avoidable and so sad. I don't, I don't know if it meant World Series because clearly there's some, you know, the Astros are really good. Like, you were going to have to fight through some great teams. But I just, I feel so bad for fans of the White Sox because they bought in to the idea of a rebuild. And they, like, you know what's wild? The year that they, they were like, we're tearing it down, their attendance, their season ticket didn't drop. No. People yeah, were like, we yeah. got it. We got it. And we're going to come out and we're going to watch these guys play and develop and all of this stuff. And now I, I hear from folks that are 
they've been begging to to get the season ticket holders back and and I know the people at the White Light, you you and I both know that there's so many great people that work yeah. for that organization that are working their asses off to try and make this a, a product for folks. I don't know how they I don't know how they look at themselves in the mirror when they be out here trying to sell folks on White Sox baseball. Let me tell you this, and, and we could we could wrap it up here. Um if it was any other city, if this was any other city besides Chicago the White Sox would not be here. Okay. The, and, and the crazy part is the, the only reason that they are here are the same people that they are thumbing their nose at Facts. with every move over the last two years. If this was, if this was Oakland <laughs> gonzo. Okay. If, if this was Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. well, you already know it wouldn't be run like this, right? They, they've been caught in the middle of having a big city name with a little city game for so long now that the tax man came around with his notepad and was like, hey, uh, when is winning going to happen, y'all? 2020, come on, here it is. And everybody loaded up the truck because <laughs> they saw that bubbling crude. And, and we all moved to Beverly Hills and never got our fucking stipend. We never got our payout. And all we doing now is rolling around with... You know, a cousin who got short shorts on and I got, you know, a corn pipe and ain't no fucking payoff. There's no payoff. There's no payoff. And ladies and gentlemen, after the great oratory skills of my man, Lawrence Holmes, I managed to mangle a Beverly Hillbillies <laughs> Chicago White Sox analogy you for your it. ass. I think you Right here it. on the full go. God damn it. <laughs> I think you nailed it. You hit, you you gave us the Ellie May. You gave us a corn cob pipe, the bubble. Oh, yeah, they're out here bullshitting. Out here bullshitting. Out here bull. If this was any other city, them boys would be gone. If, if it was any other city, they'd be like, see you. Peace out. Appreciate you. Come on, man. You're the second team in the city. And you act like you've been winning championships for a very long time or you had this run of success. They've been talking to us like we were fucking fools for two decades now when they were winning and when they weren't winning. Shut up and keep your what? Keep your business. Stay out of White Sox baseball. Yeah, stay out of White Sox business. You shut yeah. your mouth when you're talking to me. Like, that's what yeah, they, yeah. they out here doing. Like, they, yeah. No right fielder, no second baseman for a fucking half a decade. Hey, hey, shut up. We'll figure it out. We don't need a second baseman. This is White Sox baseball. No, we we, we drafted Nick Madrigal fourth overall. Yeah, man. They drafted yeah, man. Nick Madrigal ahead of Jonathan India. Nikki two strikes. Nikki two strikes, man. You already know the vibes. Lawrence. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you, man. As always, hey, congratulations. You're, you're number one in our hearts. You know, <laughs> you feel me? I, I was number 12. I dropped two spots, and uh, we already, and my man Chris Tannehill sent me the message saying it was my anti Lithuanian campaign that went on a couple, of, a couple of months ago during a Bulls game that landed me at number 12 instead of number 10. But um, like I said, shout out to Jeff Agress and the Chicago Sun Times. But, brother, you are. Uh, you are a beacon. Uh, you you are the dude that I point to when people ask me what's it supposed to sound like, what's it supposed to feel like. Uh, you are you are that guy. You are you are one of the ones, man. So I appreciate you as always for blessing the pod. Uh, you know, bestowing your light upon us, my man. Oh, I love this because this is great. Like just you look around, like the Zoom, and you see that 
this is the you know the casual Benton brothers, and we are yeah. out here in these streets. Yeah, yeah, man. You already know they they put us all together on one pod so that they know when to blow this shit up where all the black bodies will be spread yeah. out. At. There it is. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Like, hey, they all ride in the same car. It's cool. Hey, <laughs> just go ahead and get rid of the whole crew. Jay, if they ever tell us that they want us all to be in the same room, just say no. Like, this is yeah. the best way no, for no. us to stay safe is that the five of us are all in five different places. Yeah. Oh, you you don't know. We've had a studio book for months now. I don't want to see nobody on this side. Yeah, the moment we see each other in person, that that's yeah. when that's when things going to get a little dicey. That's right. Huh? And so I was like, all them brothers that show up, you know, for them Best Buy $500 gift cards. And then all of a sudden you realize the six months of child support you ain't paid. Your ass is going to jail. Man, they're they, they, they going to get us in that room and they're going to be like, now you can't leave. We're like, oh, right, man. You already know. You already know. And, you know, and then that would be the time where Kyle Williams' smile can't get us out of something. Yeah, you feel he going to have to brawl. the only time. Yeah, it, 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 I don't want that for Kyle. Yeah, I don't want that for hey, Kyle. Hey, you I know, don't want I'm, that for Kyle we, either, we, but sometimes. Yeah, we told his, we told his mama we take care of him. We, we don't need that for Kyle right now. I'm just okay? saying. He is our pupil. Every now and again, you got to grab him. Hey, hey, listen, listen. I know Kyle has dealt with many swimmers on the Northwestern <laughs> campus. I, trust me. I know, I know, I, I know he's heard some things and had to deal with certain situations. All right, get out of here before we, I get Kyle in trouble with the Northwestern people. Lawrence Holmes, ladies and gentlemen, you should catch him every single weekday, 10 to 2, 670 the score, the Bernstein and Holmes uh, show. He is uh, he is the the better half and i should say they are the better two-thirds at times him and layla rahimi was also uh, a good friend of the show shout out to our guy dan bernstein he already knows well how i treat him and how i should treat him when i say these kind of things lawrence uh congratulations on the books congratulations on the ratings congratulations on the success continue blessings my man and uh cheers to more life bro i'll see you soon jay you're a good man thank you so much for letting me uh, join one of my favorite podcasts i'm always down even though tony only asks when he can't book anybody else that's all it is. That's all it is. When Allison the Bounty Hunter doesn't have a, you know, an uninterested rapper or comedian for us, we 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 go to the old <laughs> local Rolodex. <laughs> yeah, I should have done that because you know Allison is going. Allison going to think now like, oh, I'm not doing my job. She going she going to go ahead and give herself the samurai's death. Allison, you're doing a great job out there. We love you. I I was just messing around. Uh, the Bernstein at Home Show, 670 to score. You download the Odyssey app, all those good things, and support my man. House of L Podcast uh, Network. Make sure you're checking out the House of L. He is on that. The man is out here. Uh, he is he is out here, uh, you know, writing and, 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 and scripting graphic novels. Um, what else? He, he, he stunted on y'all by saying if he decides to go get his PhD. Yeah. Yeah, you ain't gonna fuck around. Yeah, you could do that with everybody else. You ain't gonna fuck around and act like I'm not gonna point that out. You motherfucker just said by and whimsically, you know, hey, if I decide to get my PhD, this is what it's gonna be in. Little nigga, shut up. <laughs> shut your little sports talk, your little hot mic. Enjoy yourself out here. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's Lawrence Holmes stunning on us to the very end, right here on the Full Go Podcast. It's Chicago in the house. Let me hear you say yeah. Yo, you listening to the Full Go podcast with my man Jason Golf. It's your boy Dave Jeff. Holla at y'all. Much love.
That's all the time we have for episode 343 of the Full Go Podcast. I want to thank everybody involved in this thing. Our guests, as I just mentioned, from the Bernstein at Home Show, 10 to 2 a.m. weekdays here in the city of Chicago on 670 The Score. Lawrence Holmes, thank you for joining us, Lawrence. We always appreciate him. And thank you for hanging out with us on the local angle. Shout out to our FanDuel TV people as well. We always enjoy doing that. And before we leave you, okay, because this is that West Coast roadie that we're getting ready to get on as Bulls fans, and it's going to be late nights for your boy on the pre- and post-game show. But we got Bulls, we got Suns, and the casual betting brothers have come together to bring you some love, all right? We got a three-leg same-game parlay for you. Seems quite easy, all right? Kobe White, what more can you say about Kobe? He is playing some outstanding basketball over a large enough sample size now. We're going Kobe White, 25 or more points. We're going the Phoenix Suns, minus five and a half, though. All right. The Grizzlies ain't the Suns, y'all. The Grizzlies are not the Suns. Bulls just came off of a blowout win against the Grizzlies. Now they start this little road trip on the West Coast. They get to come back for a little bit after that. But I got the Suns minus five and a half. And I have the over 228 and a half. Sounds like a low number. I think this is going to be a shootout in the desert. So we got the over for 228 and a half. We got minus five and a half for the Phoenix Suns. And we got Kobe White scoring 25 or more points for a three leg same game parlay for everybody out there for all the rest of you heathens we'd like to thank y'all so much for hanging out with us thanking you for downloading this thing thanking you for subscribing to it thanking you for following us on the socials and when i say us who are we talking about well it's the shadowy figure known as steve cerruti of course the chief vibes officer himself chris sutton the exceptional one kyle williams and the dad the myth the legend tony gill you can catch tony out here giving all of his thoughts on x on Twitter and riling up the Chicago fan base because, you know, he's just Tony. You already know. Y'all think Tony at some point, y'all gonna learn that Tony is not a character. This is who this man really is in real life on social media and on this pod. See, there he is. See, he can't help himself. He can't help himself. Had the nerve to text the pod and ask if we was, if we was riding at the same time today. We, we, yes, 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 Tony. But he's a diva, you know, he needs a grand entrance, you know what I mean? He needs to, he, he, he needs, he needs the cape to be thrown over him at the end like James Brown, you know, you say he can't do no more. That's the kind of guy Tony Gill is. We love him though. We love him. We love him. And we love y'all. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. As I mentioned, thanks for rating and reviewing this thing, giving it the five stars. You know, it needs, if not, we will see you in the streets. We will catch you guys on Tuesday. Okay, after Bulls Suns, we get a little bit more fallout from the divisional rounds and get ready for championship weekend. That's right. AFC and NFC championship are aligned so we can get some outside perspectives on that throughout the week as well. So come back in on Tuesday. Holla at us. Same time, same place. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other. Be safe. And remember to stay sucker free. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. That's 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash 
chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLING.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.